Always ready. There's no this off is, switch. This is episode 81. Wow. Congratulations. It's so weird. Like, I can't believe that I've, I mean, it's not a lot, but I can't believe that I've recorded 81. I remember the first one, I was just sitting at my table at our old place, just like with a weird little setup. I mean, my setup is fucked up right now because I'm. It's pretty good. You're sitting on a couch, chilling. Yeah. Got a clock behind you. Really regal. the, The room behind me. Well, the clock is dead for one. And, uh, (laughs) there's no table in here or anything. So I just had to like stuff is resting on bar stools right now, but the room on the opposite side of the webcam is a mess. So I just got to keep cleaning stuff up. Oh, but yeah, Yeah, um, you'll you'll figure it out right before I hit record. We were talking about, uh, getting vaccinated and you haven't gotten yeah. yours yet, but I moved up. Well, not me. Casey was doing all of it for me. She moved my appointment up like three different times uh, to get my <laughs> first shot. And the good thing about that, I mean, I don't know how you're because you you scheduled your own, right? Yeah. Yeah. I scheduled yeah. my own and I scheduled my parents as how well. How irritating was it to schedule them? Because I know when she was doing mine, she would just mm-hmm. text me like out of nowhere and say, okay, you're scheduled for this time. And I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Cause like she, the way that from how I understood, there was like a queue that you had to sit in for a while Mm -hmm. and then just hopefully. Yeah. I didn't experience that part of it. I think she was, I think she was scheduling on something different. Mine was, I think it was probably equally as frustrating because it was kind of like, like when you buy concert tickets back and, and you get all the way to the end and then you hit confirm and it says this time has requested out. Like you took too long basically to fill out the information. So you have to start all over because that spot that you were fighting for with someone and some phantom other user was taken. So now you have to start all over. So I had to do that like three or four times each with both my parents. And for me, I did it only once just because I woke up really early one day and just kind of got ahead of it and just did it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, you know, you, you didn't experience this, but a lot of people out there will relate um, when the lockdown first happened and everyone was unemployed or on furlough getting unemployment benefits was the same way you try you would put in all your information hit confirm and then it would say request timed out because there's so many people trying to put in their information it just the system got overloaded same situations happening with the vaccine i think it's getting better though but um that's that was my experience trying to schedule an appointment when i went to get my first one i was surprised how many people weren't there like, I know that a lot of people are getting the vaccine, but apparently, at least in this area, they were so busy, I think, in the in the front, in those first few weeks that when I went, I went on a Sunday. And, and you went where? I went to the Dome in Henrietta. They had, like, the ropes and everything. Like, it was Black Friday. Mm-hmm. But I showed up, and there was a guy there he took my temperature and they had a separate line for like, if you're getting your first shot or your second shot. And so, yeah, I went with, uh, I met Casey's parents there. They're getting their second ones together. So they went one way and I was getting my first one. So I went the other way. I didn't have to wait in line for anyone. I, I stood behind like one guy because someone was telling him what table to go to. And then I went mm-hmm. straight to a table. The dude took all my info. Um, and then had me go to another line that I didn't have to wait in again. 
Um, and then right after that, I sat down with these two girls. They asked me like what my health quote unquote health issue was, um, which was, was my BMI. I managed to get it over 30 and I didn't know if they were going to weigh me or anything. <laughs> so I actually, I went and I was eating a lot the day before and I got <laughs> you, a big breakfast. You try to get the weight up. Cause I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm, I, I was like 29, nine. And then I did the math and was like right over two thirty or, or 30. Yeah. And, um, when they were asking me, they were like, do you have high blood pressure? I was like, no, they said, do you have, uh, um, diabetes? I said, no, they said, do you have like asthma or any like other condition, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, no, no. And then, so the girl just like, looks at me, she's like, what, what are you here for? Uh, then I said, Oh, my, shit. My, I, I, no, no, not in like a, like a bad way. She was like, well, what are you, what are you here for then? Just cause she didn't want to go through the whole list. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, no, it's, it's also from what I can take away from it. It seems like, and what other people have told me getting their vaccines is that just give them something to like write down and you can get a vaccine. That's well, what I, that's I, what I'm hearing. My thing is, is like, I, I, I told that, I told them that my BMI just made the cut. I was like, I'm just over 30. And the girls were like, they were like, hell yeah. They're like, if you're like a pound over, she was like, I'm telling everyone I know, if you're a pound over to come in, sign up for an appointment, come in yeah. and get the shot. Um, yeah. And Casey too, cause she's been doing, I think she told me the other day that she did like 144 vaccines in a day. Um, yeah. That's good to hear. That's good news. She was like, they're just, they're trying to get as many people vaccinated as possible. So things can get back to normal. Yeah, I think they're slowly getting there. And I think especially like, you know, we live in Rochester, upstate New York. We'll start to feel, because if you think about it, with the warmer weather coming, we'll start to feel more normal, see people getting vaccinated. Because if you think about it, that first couple of months of quarantine, once summer started, really, I didn't, I mean, I've talked about it with Jay, it really wasn't that bad. Like it was outside, like we were outside, it was summertime. Yeah, things were closed, but at least you could be outside. At least you could like walk the pier and or whatever yeah. have you walk by the canal and shit. And like, I don't know. It just seemed, it didn't seem as closed down as it felt during the winter, the winter time, man, that it was pretty bad the past couple of months. Like there was some moments of like, damn, this kind of really sucks. Like, damn, yeah. like cold. The, I'm thinking too. And I, I said, I responded to this on one of my friend's tweets the other day. Um, she was saying something about, um, I think it was people, people that didn't want to get the vaccine or whatever. Um, and that are just like prolonging all the stuff being closed and all that. Yeah. And uh, I, I responded to it and I said, the irony of it is that all these people who don't want to get a vaccine, because I mean, like with the flu, like it's rare that someone gets the flu in the summertime, right? But in yeah. last summer when we had COVID, people were still getting it. It just wasn't as bad as it was in like the fall and the the winter um yeah well not even the not even the fall because we didn't really have it in the fall but in the winter and even in the spring before it got warm out um it, people were still getting it in pretty significant numbers and so to me the irony is all these people are going to be vaccinated you me your family my family all our friends and stuff, we're all going to be vaccinated. Millions of other people are going to be vaccinated. So our chance of getting it is going to be super low. But then mm -hmm. all these other people that refuse to get the shot, they're going to be out with us and they're going to be not wearing a mask because I'm assuming at some point in the summer, they'll say that we don't need to anymore. 
I would say that doesn't happen till like August, September. You think like so? they're gonna? Yeah, I think, I think they're gonna let the summer go and make sh- like summer's gonna be like there's a push now to get people vaccinated, but I think the summer's gonna be like, hey, like it's gonna be like a real like everyone can get a vaccine. There's no requirements. Just come and get it. Book an appointment. Come and get it. And I think yeah. they're they're gonna use the summer to get everyone vaccinated, and then they're gonna do like a tr- a, t- a test period of like they're gonna lift the mask mandate in like late July, August. And then maybe maybe that will kind of, but I don't think it's gonna happen till like August, late August or something. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think it's just gonna end up because I mean, with with all the different mutations and stuff of COVID that that's, they've that's seen the in issue. different countries, I think that what what it's gonna be because we had the same thing with the flu shot where it's everyone goes and gets a flu shot every year. There's a different strain, so you get like a different type of flu shot than you you usually would that is supposed to protect you from like whatever's out at the at the time um so, i mean it'll just kind of probably be the same way with the covid vaccine where it's just like a booster shot every year which yeah, well I, I mean that's the problem with the people who aren't going to get the vaccine is that the mutations they're going to end up getting pass quicker <laughs> yeah well not only that that's how mutations develop if no one is really fighting it off and there's no vaccine that's how mutations kind of happen and the more people who don't get the vaccine, the more mutations and versions of this one disease is, there's there's, there's going to be and different yeah. strains, which means we might have to have more va- more different, like you said, vaccines to fight off different strains. So, yeah. so just get vaccinated, people. One more quick vaccination story. It's funny as hell. <laughs> I, my parents went to go. They had to drive to Syracuse to get their vaccine. Yeah. And um, my dad gets all the way there, calls me. He's like, uh, I think I forgot my ID. And I was like, bruh, like, <laughs> he's like, can you just go check? And like, I'm like, all right, say I check and I find it. What's going to, how is that going to help anything? You don't have right. it with you. And uh, he's like, well, just call me back in, you know, if you find it. I call him back like 15 minutes later. And I was like, I can't find it. I don't know where it's at. And he's like, oh, it's okay. I sent my, I sent, I sent a picture of my ID to some guy like a two years ago and I found it in my messages. So they said that that was okay. But like he was that close <laughs> to not getting a vaccine just because he forgot his ID. Like it drove oh an hour God. away. Yeah. I was like, geez, man. Uh, just, come wow. on, dad. That's I know, funny. right? Um, so the past, I didn't, did I? No, I, di- I didn't record last week. Um, but between last week and hey, this week. No, I didn't. That was two weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, I listened to it twice. Oh, it's just just because there was nothing last week, so you're like, I, I need something. Yeah, I need I need, <laughs> I need something here. Um, but, and just t- to be transparent, I didn't see the whole Harry and Meghan interview with Oprah. I found a bootleg version of it mm-hmm. on YouTube that some guy like recorded from his couch and posted on YouTube. And then the audio Love those cut guys. off. They're the heroes and then of the it would internet. Like, it would pause and then it would pick back up because I think he was not trying to get hit with like yeah. copyright. So yeah. I ended up having to do like the oh top ten things that we found from the Harry and Meghan interview that like surprised yeah, yeah, us yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, Very clickbaity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they showed parts of the the interview in it. Um, so I got to get some context behind some of the stuff. But my thing is. Like the the first thought that I had when this whole, not even the interview, but, you know, years ago when uh, Megan and Harry were like a thing and they got married, blah, blah, blah. 
my whole thing was like, because the media just jumped on it. They're like, mm. oh my God, the print, the, the, uh, what the fuck is he? The, the Duke or whatever is mm-hmm. going to marry a mixed woman. Like what, what is this? Oh, is it? And so when I saw all that, it reminded me of not even because I wasn't alive and conscious at the time, but when uh, Diana was around, yeah. it kind of seemed like they were getting the same type of treatment. And I mean, treatment in the way of like, oh, this isn't like the norm. This isn't the the standard. Yeah. You know, this, isn't, this isn't what you'd imagine a princess to be. And then Diana ended up well, dying. Well, no, the, no, a- the thing... The thing with Diana actually was that she was exactly what people thought a princess should be. Like she was like the princess of like the 21st century. Like that was the thing with her. Yeah, <laughs> I I mean, not for the people, but for like the, the media. The the royals. They oh, were like, oh, whoa, yeah. she she's not like she's not she doesn't vibe with our whole thing that we got going on over here. And then she yeah, she's a comedy in a car accident that kind of made me like again i wasn't around but from what i saw on the internet and like i know that my mom was alive when it happened um there's people that think that it was just oh no like she died in a car accident that's horrible there's other people that think like oh someone made it so something was wrong with the vehicle so then she ended up getting in a car accident and dying i heard injuries i so so i read that it was she she was in a car and the the paparazzi was so bad mm-hmm. that a uh, flashes from the camera of her with with her driver driving away from the paparazzi blinded him and distracted him and that's what happened to the car so like quite literally the media attention behind the royal family is what killed princess diana that's what i read i didn't read i i, I heard about that that theory that you talked about like there was a malfunction in the car um, but I, I've heard a lot more stories that there was just a lot of paparazzi and the, the, the driver was blinded and couldn't see. And that's what happened. Did, so did you see the interview? I did. I watched it. I'm generally not someone who's like interested in the Royal yeah. family. Um, like, yeah. I, I just don't, I don't, you know, we, you know, if you, if you want to take it back to 1776, like a lot of people do, we kind of fought a whole war so we wouldn't have to care about those folk over there. So yeah. And then like, it's just kind of like few hundred years later we're like oh my god yeah i just i just don't really you know care too much and also the you know the british monarchy is like responsible for i would say uh i wouldn't say creating but really making white supremacy popular like 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 colonizing much of africa um spreading the you know the big white lie that you know white man's destiny is to educate people of color and stuff like so i just i don't I don't really care too much about them in general, like yeah. whatever they can do their own thing over there. Just leave, leave us the hell alone kind of thing. Then they, um, they threw, threw a box threw all that into a box, put a bow on it, sent that whole persona to Hollywood. They made a bunch of movies. Everyone exactly. that's like under a certain age loves princes and princesses now. And then, yeah. Uh, they, the weddings and stuff happen and everyone's like, Oh my God, I need to take the day off of work to watch this take place. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shame people. That's that's what you do. That's cool. Yeah, we all find joy and interest in many different things, and that's not the worst thing to be interested in. You know, yeah. like that's cool. No, There's a lot yeah, of history yeah, yeah. there to learn yeah. if you're willing to you know learn about it. Like that's what I find. The, if if I find anything interesting about the royals or that monarchy, it's the history behind it and how it affects today. That's yeah. about where I draw the line. I don't really care. You know what Princess Markle shat shat this morning when she got up from 
sleeping. Like I just don't, I don't care. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but well, I did, I, I did, I did, I, I did, I, so I did watch it. Um, yeah. And what I'll say is that 99% of it was no new information. Like, like how is anyone surprised? Like it's a mixed couple, right? It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a mixed couple. There's mixed couples every day around the world that deal with racist in-laws. That's nothing new. And it goes both ways. There's, there's black and white couples where the black parents are off, off putting because it's a white individual. And there's a, for sure. We know there's white step or uh, parents-in-law that feel a way about a black partner. Like it, it's nothing new. So she didn't present anything new. And if you know anything about the royal family, you know that's how they feel. They've always felt like that. That's, this is nothing new. Who do you think, because I know there's like speculation and I don't mean to make this like a whole friggin' like e-news segment, but um, they did they say it was someone from like the the administration or whatever, or was it someone in the royal family? Yeah. I can't remember um, that. They said it was someone in the royal family, as well as people in the in the firm, as they as they as they, as they referred to it many times, the firm, the administration, and what was the last thing they, they called it? Uh, they called it another name too, but the firm was the funny they, thing. They, they called it some other culty inference. Yeah, something weird. Um, Just call it a cult if it's a cult. Like, damn. Yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not going to say who I think it was, but I have a pretty good idea of who I think it was. Um, and the thing is, it could have been anybody. I mean, I wouldn't yeah, be surprised yeah. by any of it. Yeah. You know? But I just see this, I, and I always saw it, the, this whole weird dynamic between um, Harry and his brother. And even the, some of the stuff that he said during the interview, um, and I saw some like really clever people found that Megan was wearing some jewelry that uh, used to be owned by Diana, Harry's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he said stuff like, you know, the, the, the money that we had that we've kind of been surviving off of since we left the family that since we left the palace, um, is all money that my mother left me. Um, he didn't want Megan to end up like his mother. Like it just seemed like Harry's looking at this whole thing from a different angle. And then you have William who's, he's still with the family and he's saying all this stuff like, you know, yeah. this isn't who we are. And, you know, I, I support them and, you know, I stand by the family and everything. Like he's very, I feel like he's, you know. He, yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I, uh, I talked to you about this, but I, I read or I listened to a podcast. I don't remember which one a psychiatrist was saying that, um, you know, and studying the, those two, you know, the two brothers, the two Dukes or princes or whatever. Um, she notices that, is a clear example of how two different people with who grew up the same, raised the same way, same gender, all that stuff can experience and react to trauma and come out of trauma, the other side of trauma in two very different ways. Yeah. Harry, very in touch with it, still very close and connected to it, um, sees, sees connections in his own life to it, um, still gets emotional over that trauma of his mother dying. Whereas William, buries it, blocks it, goes, keeps going, you know, kind of moves on from it. Not, not trying to minimize any struggle or whatever he has or trauma from that. But I'm just saying that it's, you know, what the psychiatrist was saying, what I found interesting was she was saying that they have handled since that moment, walking behind the casket down the streets of Windsor, behind their mom's casket, 
from that moment, the two boys have handled and reacted to that moment differently in very different ways. One leaned out, one leaned in type of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Send me that podcast too when you can. That sounds interesting. I will. I forgot um, what I was listening to. It might have been Stuff You Need to Know or something like that. Okay, cool. But yeah, I, I and I would agree with that too. Um, it does make sense. And I'm sure that she explains it really well and kind of goes into both of their, you know, her, her reasoning as to why for each of them. Um, but it just, you know, everything when, uh, William and, uh, Kate got married was very, like, it seemed like, oh, it's just a prince and a princess, like getting married. So odd to me. So it just seemed, it seemed very textbook. You know, there was no, yeah. Um, I mean, there's always going to be that stuff about like, oh, where did she come from? And you know, all that. But <laughs> when it was Harry yeah. and Megan, it's like, it's like, oh, this American and she was a, in Hollywood and she was an actress and all this stuff. And it just seemed very, you know, like they were putting tape on a, a cracked dam. Um, they're just kind of, it, yeah. it seemed, so it seemed more like, obviously, you know, based on the interview, they seem like, a great couple they seem like they're a team um but with the whole wedding and everything it just seemed like well that whole royal part of it wasn't gonna stay you know yeah well they got married well this is another thing in the interview which is not interesting to me but they got yeah they got married three days before the actual wedding because they just felt like it was going to be too much and you know they kind of wanted to share the moment with themselves we're talking a lot about the royals I'm I'm good on them now. I've talked enough <laughs> about their wedding. Okay, we can move on then. Let's talk about your governor. Man. Our governor, fine. I'll hey, claim him. He's ours. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay, what about? I, I so There's he's so many things to He's got some hot shit. About. Yeah, because yeah, okay. So yesterday was March 11th, right? And March 11th for a lot of, especially Americans, was kind of the day where things really, really hit the fan. The NBA canceled its season. Um, the CDC announced that officially it was a, it was, a, it was a panorama. Um, and Tom Hanks announced that he was. Wait, yeah, I know minute, it's a pandemic. A you don't okay. get the joke. Got, you never heard that joke for a minute. No, I haven't. Or you gotta get back on Twitter more. Anyway, uh, <laughs> losing your cultural currency. Um, <laughs> And Tom Hanks, March 11th was the day that Tom Hanks announced, which was a big deal for a lot of Americans, <clears throat> white Americans. Um, and, uh, you know, and at that time, Cuomo was really, in many ways, leading the nation and how to react to the coronavirus. He was, yeah. New York was, even though we were the epicenter of the problem, it forced Cuomo into the spotlight and being also show us how to do this, how to react to this for the other states. And he was really a leadership position. There was chatter among these suburban New York streets of him running for presidents and all this stuff. Um, and he really led the way in that. And now we come full circle a year later and we find out that first that he didn't report all the deaths from nursing homes around the state. He initially was just charged with kind of being a little frisky old guy, single old guy in the office to now recently we hear that he invited an employer an, an employee over and groped her in the house. And you have people on both sides of the aisle calling for his resignation. I mean, what a turnaround for this guy. Okay. So first of all, I didn't know that third thing. So I knew that there was uh, sexual harassment allegations against him, 
but I didn't yeah. know about that third one. That's that's pretty bad. Um, I mean, it's yeah, all I think bad, it's just that, crazy. Jeez, because I saw, yeah, I, I saw people on the internet. Because you know how people are on the internet. They're like, oh, Cuomo's a Democrat. I'm a Democrat, so I need to like inherently support him. Uh, which is not Fuck the case. Um, it, people were saying like, oh, he's Italian. He kisses people on the cheek when he greets them. Like, no, okay, first of all. Nah, here's what we're that, not going to do. If you're doing that at work, yeah. you're not, you, you can't do that. Like it's, it's, yeah. it, it's not a work thing. Like that's like a family <laughs> and like close, close, close friend thing, you know? Yeah, here's, but, here's what I won't do. I'm a progressive. I don't consider myself mm-hmm. to be a Democrat, but I'm a progressive for sure. Okay. What, what I won't accept from Democrats are these like, and I've been seeing this so much lately. And if you listen to Jamel Hill, Jamel Hill's podcast, her last episode, um, she starts off with the word of the week and her word of the week was weak. And she was just mm-hmm. talking about Democrats. Cause I'm really just tired of hearing the contradictions the back and forth. If we went hard after Donald Trump for sexual harassment accusations, yeah. you're going to, I want, I'm not saying we should go hard, but you can't soften up when it's now your guy. You know what I mean? Like I, I just, yeah. I, uh, I'm not advocating for that because I believe that it's innocent into proven guilty. We both have had many conversations about that in the past. That's just where my stance lies. I'm not saying don't believe women. I'm not saying that none of these women have valid accusations. I'm just saying I'd like to see this thing played out with an investigation, which is currently happening through the attorney general oh, of, yeah. of, of New York. But what I will say for Democrats, your reaction to it says a lot about you. If you're, staying silent and you're not saying anything or you're saying that he should stay you've kind of you're showing your ass a little bit because we were we were all going hard as we all should have for donald trump's multiple numerous plentiful amounts of accusations of sexual harassment so yeah you know you gotta you gotta you gotta give it to both that's that's how i that's 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 what i think you know yeah i i would see comments on stuff and I, I really don't try at all to take anything that anyone says on like Twitter or Facebook as relevant, but it, it, like you said, it says a lot about what the context of someone's counter argument is. I would see people saying like, okay, well, how many times did uh, Trump fly to Epstein Island or whatever? I'm like, no, that's, it's, it's a different It's thing. not what we're it's doing. We're not doing the, people we're involved. Not doing it's, the... it's not a, it's not like a lesser of two evils. It's like this person got accused of this thing. They need to respond to it, of course. And I, he's got to, I think that he should resign because all this shit compounded. I mean, I was I was all about him months ago because I thought he was doing a great job with COVID. Which um, he did. That, you can't which, take that away. Yeah, which he did. He which did. he did. And if the, if the number reporting in the nursing home deaths were something that he knew about that he didn't report, and acknowledge and accept his failure. Yeah. Cause I, I said the same thing with, um, with, with Fauci when people were saying, well, he did uh, you, you know, you know one month he said no masks. And then a month later he said masks. And he was like, well, I said no masks because we needed to prioritize them for the healthcare workers. Yeah. And stuff. I, yeah. I get that. That's a learning about a disease that has never yeah, existed yeah, before. Exactly. That's, that's there, different. A, this, this to me is like, if you're going to make any excuse for the nursing home thing, which I, I'll be transparent, I haven't dug into it too much, but from right, what same. I have heard from listening to news podcasts and things like that from NPR, pretty much there was a discrepancy in the people who died at the nursing homes 
versus the ones that were that were taken to the hospital because they were deathly ill and died there. People were mad because he didn't count the ones that were transferred from the nursing home to the hospital as deaths uh, in, in, in nursing homes. So to so, me, that's just like a, a, a weird, like, how do I so say it's it? nursing like, home deaths with like an asterisk next to it that some people are going to acknowledge and some people are going to say that it kind of all... Yeah, because do you count people who were living in the nursing home, got sick there, transferred to the hospital and died? Where do you put that death number at? Do you put it in a nursing home or do you put it right as like a in like in like in hospital? Do you know what I mean? Right. I think yeah. from from what I know that was that was a discrepancy and to me it's okay. like the people who are the people who are and also in addition to that, the people who are here yelling about that and giving criticism are people who have always yelled about that. And I mean, yelled about him and gave him criticism. They were already yeah. his enemies. So yeah. if no one else is, so if the, so if the loudest people in the room are your enemies, I always check the facts first. Cause it's like, they have, they have, they will, they'll do anything to kind of come for you. And that's yeah. where I sit at with the nursing home thing. That's something that, you know, how do you distinguish between those two things? Yeah. And I think that if he was aware of the discrepancy and didn't properly acknowledge that and because i mean the the dude was on tv every single day he had dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of opportunities to say okay you know in this column we have folks who got sick at nursing homes and died in the nursing homes in this column we have folks who got sick at the nursing home went to the hospital uh and got died there that's what Mm -hmm. this column is but if you're if you're saying these are folks that got sick in nursing homes and you're forgetting about what was it like 11 or fifteen thousand people in this other column that you're just gonna pretend aren't there if you kind of just ignored that column and you never said anything about it then yeah that's definitely oh yeah no doubt i mean resign yeah because it's like what else can we really trust you with if you're going to hide yeah. that information from us during a pandemic while at the same time trying to come off as transparent and everything. I mean, he wrote a fucking book and uh, uh, yeah, know, that was not with, a good look. With something like that coming out. It's like you wrote a book, you're patting yourself on the back. And then the story comes out that you kind of fudge the numbers. It's like, what, what's the deal? You know, what, yeah. what are we going to believe here? Um, yeah. To know, me, that, the book was not a good look. You know, I'm never going to stop anyone from, from, you know, I'm not going to pocket watch and stop someone from getting a bag, get a bag. We live in a capitalist country, you know, do your thing. Yeah. But get, releasing a book about how you responded to COVID while we're still dealing with COVID. While we're, yeah, I, 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 I yeah. liked it because in my brain, I'm like, oh, he's doing a great job. Why not? He's doing better than a lot of other states are. And like people all across the country were like, oh, I should run for president. But then, you know, he writes the book and you're like, okay, I, he's doing a great job, right? There's nothing going on. Sounds good. And then, Months later, they're like, oh, numbers, everything else. Plus yeah. the fact, now that I think about it, like you wrote, like you said, a book during the pandemic that we're still in. Like, what, what is the content of your last chapter? Because we're not out of the woods yet, you know? Yeah. And it's also, <laughs> you know, it reeks of, it has that it has that eerie smell of uh, capitalizing off other people's uh, death. Like it just, it has, it, it reeks of that a little yeah. bit. Like every I, millions of like, people have died and you're writing a book about it sort of. Kind if there was I, any time to write a book about how you responded to the pandemic, that would have been maybe three, four years after we or a year. I'll take a year. I'll even it. take a year, yeah, bro. Sure. Mass mandate or, from the day that the mass mandate lifts for good, and then a year after that, if you want to release a book, boom, yeah. I'm here for it. <laughs> or once the pandemic's over with, you're working on a book, 
Biden's term comes close to an end, let's say in a perfect world, you wouldn't have any scandals or harassment allegations against you. So you mm-hmm. got really nothing, nothing bad going for you other than people who don't like you because of your stance on gun laws or whatever. And then mm-hmm. everyone kind of forgets about you for a bit. You publish your book, you advertise it. They're like, oh yeah, I love that guy from New York. And then next thing you know, yeah. he's running for president. The But mm. yeah, what you were saying about the uh, sexual harassment allegations, um, I, yeah, I, I would agree with most people and say that he should resign. I mean, because if not, you're still the guy who's the most powerful person in New York state. And you can use that power to kind of do more of what you've been doing. Unfortunately, I mean, inviting people over to your yeah, house. I think, is, I think, uh, that's a little, yeah, I think the AG, I think, I think the AG for New York state's going to nip that one on the bud. She doesn't play any games. Uh, yeah. and I, I, I fuck with her heavy. They, they got all the Cuomo paperwork on one side of the desk and all of Donald's paperwork on the other side of the desk. Facts. She's going after both, which is, <laughs> she's looking at it. Know. She's like, I'm going to need a bigger desk. Facts. Facts. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I'm waiting to hear how that all got, all gets played out. Um, yeah. I don't know. Something we'll we'll see. I'm, I'm going to hold my, I'm, I'm going to hold my opinion on him as a person until after that stuff comes out. Yeah, I, it it sucks when a situation like this comes up where it's like someone that we've kind of put on a pedestal, whether it's like an athlete or a celebrity or whatever. And then mm-hmm. they get these accusations against them because I think it's important, like for us as guys, we're kind of powerless against, you know, well, you know, what story do we want to pay attention to? So we kind of look at everything. Um, mm-hmm. it, the unfortunate thing is like whenever something like this happens, you'll usually have a bunch of people that are saying, Oh, well, they're just doing it for money or for a settlement or something. But I think Mm -hmm. like being our age and being so aware of the fact that like this stuff happens or has happened to probably every woman that we've ever been friends with. um, You got to listen, you know, even if there's some sort of speculation, it's like, we need to listen to the story. We need to listen to the other story too, but, I think, and maybe this is just me talking as like a husband, but when I hear something like that, I, and I used to be kind of jaded about it years ago, just because I would be like, I would literally be the person that was of the mindset of like, oh, they're probably just looking for money or something. But now I'm like, eh, it, it's important to listen because like I said, like Cuomo is a powerful person and you yeah. can use that power to like, hey, Maybe he finessed the entire country with the whole COVID thing, and then he was being <laughs> sneaky in the background. Um, it, I mean, that was it was the same way. And I'm not comparing him to Harvey Weinstein. I'm not saying that he did anything, but um, or, or like Cosby or whatever, where they they use their power and their persona to do all this sketchy shit in the background while being like, you know, America's dad or you know, one of the best movie producers in Hollywood. You know, we can't put them on too high of a pedestal. And if we are, we also need to understand at the end of the day that these people are just human. So at the end of the day, you're a human that fucked up. You you got to own up to it and you got to do what's right by the people that you did wrong. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, 
I just tend to hold my tongue on these situations uh, until things kind of play out just because yeah. so many lives are affected in so many different ways, no matter which way it goes. Um, yeah. And it's hard to judge a situation off of, you know, not knowing context and facts well, and all that stuff. So it's exactly. So it's basically right now, like a, a wide, a, a very, uh, what's the word? Like you, you're kind of on public trial right now. So every, everyone yeah. is, everyone that's watching the story unfold is in the jury, you know, quote unquote jury. And um, public gotta, court of public opinion, as they call it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so you mean just listen to both sides and, these are the facts and these are the opinions and this is how it plays out. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate because yeah, I, think... yeah, I, I did, I did <clears throat> admire the leadership with COVID, but I think it's, it sucks that all this stuff came out and it's like, yeah, you know, if, if I was wrong yeah. and if we were all wrong about putting them on such a high, uh, high point in our minds, then yeah, you know, bad judgment call. Or yeah. But I think, I think, I think a, a lot of times, I think us as Americans and just people in general can do a better job of understanding that both can be true at the same time. Like he could, yeah. he can handle COVID well and be a great leader in that moment and also be a sexual predator. One yeah. doesn't discount, one doesn't take away from the other. And that's the important thing yeah. to remember um, is that you can acknowledge both. Like Michael Jordan was the best, like one of the best basketball players ever, a killer and assassin. He was also an asshole. Like you can just, you can, it's both, you <laughs> yeah. can do both. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's. Uh, and if he hears you say think, that, he's going to take it personally. Yes, he will, MJ. Um, but yeah, I think that I think we could do a better job of understanding that as people, and not try to like, like, go all in on both on one side. You know, like right. I think, you know, we talk a lot about and it's discussed a lot in numerous forms, like just the polarity between people these days and how it's like one or the other. And I think for some specific topics, it is one or the other. You can't really be down the middle on some things, but I think the acknowledgement that people can be both things. Like I love it. Like the other day, the Myers, the Myers Leonard thing saying the anti-Semitic slur on a stream. Um, and I love whenever stuff like that happens, <laughs> the, the family is like, well, he's a great guy. And, you know, he's just, he's so nice. And it's like, that can all be true. And he can be anti-Semitic at the same, like, these are, you know, it's like you telling me that he's a good guy and he's never done anything wrong to you and all this stuff. Yeah, that may be true, probably true. But he also just called me the N-word. So I got to whoop his ass. Like, you know, it's just like, <laughs> it's like two different, it's like you can, the guy can be both. So, uh that's how I feel about Cuomo. He did a good job with COVID, but he could also TBD on that could still be, or it could not be. And this could be a really bad, bad look. Look, yeah. What do you think? Because once you're, once you're, runner, once you're accused to be that guy, you are that guy for life. Like, like in the court of public opinion, that's just, yeah, you know, yeah, unfortunately. For what do you think with the the Myers Leonard thing about Julian Edelman? Uh, I think Julian Edelman has been one of the few people I publicly know about that rides for the Jewish community. Um, and his response to what Myers Leonard did 
was, I mean, that's cool. I'm not Jewish. Um, I can kind of relate to it in a way. So, you know, I can say that's not how I would have handled it, but that's not, you know, that's, I think Julian handled it how he wanted to handle it. What I don't like and what I heard on the Dan Lebetard show the yesterday was David Sampson, the former GM of like the Mariners is, is a Jewish man. And he was so angry. And what I don't like is hearing the thing, you know, things like this, where he says that, well, if that was, if that was a white guy calling the black guy, the N word, people would be way more outraged. We don't need to do that. People, we don't need to compare traumas and stuff and, and use somebody else's trauma as a meat shield for your trip. We don't need to do that. This is, you make that argument a lot. And that's been happening a lot with, you know, stop Asian hate as well. People have been comparing the reaction and comparing, you know, the, you know, comparing the trauma and that's just not healthy for anybody. Not for, not for your struggle, not for my struggle, you know? Yeah. It's, it seems like when that has happened, I, I saw that post that you reposted the other day, um, saying like, no, that's, that's not the right way to go about it. Um, with, you know, Asian American folks that are getting harassed and beat up and, you which know, is awful. Uh, cause yeah, Asian people, because Asian, the Asian community in America is one of the foundations of this country. We wouldn't yeah. have, we wouldn't have a lot of things in this country without our Asian brothers yeah. and sisters. And if anyone listening is unaware of what we're talking about, um, and it's, it, it is, because of the rhetoric from the president and a lot yes. of his supporters of the past, not the president as in former, Biden, but former president. Trump and the people that support him, he was calling it the China virus, which geographically still does. could be significant. Cause yeah, we think that the virus came from China, but it's not the, the dumb people think that if they see an Asian American person that they're going to end up getting COVID. So they're using that as an excuse to try to abuse people and just, again, be racist. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. And yeah. And, and like you said, you know, not to belabor because I just, I've really enjoyed not talking about the former president as much. So I'm just going to hit this I know. quick. It's been so I'm just, yeah. I'm just going to hit this quick. <laughs> the reason why we have a heightened um, conversations about ethnicity in this country these days is because the president empowered white supremacists and racists to feel like their thoughts were valid and somehow logically correct. And that's why you get Asian people being mobbed and jumped and beaten and made fun of verbally online and um, blamed for COVID-19 across this country. Yeah. It's it's a simple fact. I mean, it's a, it's, that's, that's one plus one equals two. So it's it's ignorance compounded with being or what they think is being enabled to be ignorant right yeah exactly yeah, yeah exactly but the myers leonard thing was well you know like i said i'm not um someone of jewish descent or anything so um what julian edelman said i think was you know it was a really nice thing to say i may not like i said i may not have handled it the same way if it was you know a different situation but good on Julian to do that. And, you know, I've listened, I listened to a few podcasts about this or, the, or, you know, where they talked about it and, um, you know, this could end up being a really cool story. Myers Leonard could, you know, really dig in and learn about the Jewish community. You could go visit Jerusalem and Israel and learn 
and you know become one of the biggest allies you've seen that happen so many times over ray rice yeah. people don't really know because it's not you know you know because it's not publicized but he's become one of the biggest you know influencers in um stopping the abuse of women um tim hardaway jr when he went on the Lebertard show many many years ago and had anti-lgbtq remarks has become one of the biggest advocates for LGBTQ rights after taking spending some time and really learning and becoming more aware of their of their life and their obstacles so this could turn out to be a great redemption story and he could be one of the people leading the charge on um you know fighting against anti-semitism but you know that it could go the other way because if you think about if you read his apology He's, I love when this, the, the, the apology comes out and you read the apology and it says, I had no idea what I was saying. Really? Because it's, you use it the right way. You use it in the right context. If, if, if one were to say that word, you use it in the right, co- and he stopped and thought about it. You could see, like, if you watch the video, he was, he was getting angry and then he stopped and he was like, yeah, and then said the word, and like he thought about it. So like, you can't say you didn't know what it I mean, I guess you could say that, but you really use it in the right context for someone who doesn't know what it means, you know? Yeah, you got a good point. I, l- I like what um, Shannon Sharp's take was on it. I saw a clip from, by I'm the way, that's loud. I discovered this morning that I have Fox Sports 1 on my TV. Yeah, it's like channel 4,500, right? <laughs> yeah, I discovered that this morning. I was like, I was like, oh, I have all these channels. I'm scrolling through and I see uh, FS1 and it's uh, skipping... Shannon, skip and like, yes. skip, yes. skip, skip, skip. But um, he the the way that he said it is what, and I don't know whoever the guy was talking to when he said it on his Twitch or whatever. Twitch. Yep. Like I don't I didn't see the video of it, but he said like Shannon Sharp said he said expletive word expletive. So it was like he the said, fact that he was like he was trying to inflict like some sort of like reaction and like upset and anger with how he was delivering it. But yeah, it was like you you expletive word expletive. Like he was like he he did I, I I'm not a gamer. I don't, you know, he I think he he messed up something or someone messed him up or he got shot or whatever and he was like you expletive word expletive. I you know which you use it in the right context. So how can like, so that, it's funny. I was listening to Bomani Jones last night. He was like, so what did you mean? Like, like, what did you think it meant when you said it? If you didn't know what it means, you use it in the right context. What did you think it means? I'm curious. You know, that's always the question with me is like, what did you think it meant if you just used it? And like, it's interesting. If you look, if you, if you dig into his background, Myers Leonard is, he was born and raised on the edge of Illinois and Indiana. That's like prime clan territory. I'm not saying he's a clan, but I'm just saying the environment you grow up in has a lot to do with what words you know what they mean and yeah. what you you know what they don't mean. And you you know you, you could say that you could say that because of the environment he grew up in around no Jewish people, he probably maybe not know what it means. Or you could say that he grew up around a bunch of clansmen and knows exactly what that word means. <laughs> so it's kind of you know it's an interesting situation. I'm curious to see how. How, how it's handled because the Miami Heat's owner is also Jewish and is a very, yeah. he, donates, he donates a lot of money to, um, to, to, I think it's Israel and is, is a big proponent and a big player in the, in the Jewish community, especially in South beach, which is a very highly populated Jewish community. So it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting case study because it's like a perfect storm of like, like 
what, what's going to happen here. So, yeah. Good point. Uh, what else is going on? What are you, uh, I know that you've been posting um, pictures and stuff of like books on your story. Yeah. What are you up to? Yeah. What am I up to reading wise? I've been trying this new thing where I read like five books at a time just because <laughs> I felt like I wasn't getting through any, any of them. Um, okay. So I break, I'm reading. I'll just, I actually have them. I keep, the, I keep the ones that I'm reading on my desk just so like if I get okay. a free minute during work or whatever have you, I can just pop one open. But you know, I'm reading the Whipple. Hey, Whipple, squeeze this book. Mm-hmm. Great advertising copy, copywriting book. This book is actually by one of my mentors, Gabe Marshall. He was uh, the director of the, um, oh, wow. Uh, I'm forgetting the program. But the program at NAS that allows students who may not have the financial means to um, go to college, allow them to go to college. And I was a part of that program. Um, And he's just been a big proponent of my life. And his book is out now called Letters of a Confused Graduate. Um, And it's a pretty cool format. It's not like any other book I've read because it's literally a letter between a mentor and a student and the whole book is just letters back and forth. So it's like, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting format. Cool story. Um, still reading the John Meacham book. This is a thick one, but I'm actually almost done with it. I'm about, I have like two chapters left. Uh, Soul of America by John Meacham. Uh, really this book, I recommend this one to you specifically. You can find so many uh, parallels and he, he, like, he does a good job of drawing parallels from history to, to, to present day, which we know are there. It's just the way that he uh, articulates them and words them. You can see how a lot of the same language policies are being and ways that things are being done in, uh, you know, in our government are being kind of repeated over and over again. What, uh, what was the subtitle of it? I tried to lean in and see it, but the light yeah. hit. So John Meacham, The Soul of America, The Battle for Our Better Angels. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything under that? Yeah, it's just a it's just a quote from Walter Isaacson that oh, okay. says how great the book is and how much you should how much you should pay for it and it's so good it'll change your life. Um and then finally another one I'm reading is the autobiography of Malcolm X as told by Alex Haley. This has been a great book so far. Um I've always loved and I I've always listened to speeches about Malcolm and you know, movies and um, documentaries, but I was, I've never read the autobiography. So I was like, I gotta get, I gotta get that under my belt too. Cause I have a bunch of other books that kind of spin off in that same direction. I, I think it's a good starting place. Um, Cause I, before this book I read, there's a book called by, by any means necessary. That's just has, it's just a compilation of all his speeches. So mm. um, yeah. That's autobiography though. Because yeah, I had this is some auto- stuff. Uh, sorry, I I had some Malcolm X stuff on an Amazon list, and it's I went back and looked at them because I remember seeing the stack of stuff that you had, and all the ones that I had weren't any autobiographies. They were just like, either, you know, you know how I knew Malcolm X or like you know what the history and all yeah. that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, is that a big yeah, one too? It's a so that's it's tricky because so many people wrote books and claim to be autobiographies, but the right, only right. the only the only legitimate one was the one by Alex Haley. It was one that he was working on leading up to his death with a with a New York Times reporter 
Alex Haley, who wrote the book, who ended up finishing the book. But this is all, this is as close as it gets to, this is him verbatim speaking. I think I read somewhere that up until the last two chapters, all Malcolm, just talking to Alex, Alex writing stuff down, writing the story, putting the story together up until his death. Um, so, and it's about the length. So the epilogue, epilogue ends at 459. But the last chapter is uh, 390. So about 390 pages. That's pretty good. Yeah. I'm still still reading Nikola Tesla's autobiography, and it's like 60 pages long. (laughs) (laughs) How is it, though? I'm halfway through it, and, like, he's talking about, like, his years growing up. And Mm. from what I gather... Like it, he writes, I mean, if he did write them kind of writes how I think I write, mm-hmm. but he's, he's consistent and he's all over the place and he's talking about one thing and then he's on the next thing. And I'm like, is this guy a genius? <laughs> is he an idiot? I, I don't know what to Both. make of it. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, probably. But um, I have another one that he wrote that I think is called The Problem of Increasing Human Energy. Oh, yeah. I saw that. You um, talked about that on one of your podcasts. Yeah. I didn't bust that one open yet. Um, but, I mean, if that is anything like what the first one is, it's going to be confusing. Do you enjoy bit. reading it, though? I do, yeah. Because remember that just... one psychology book you, you read years ago? It was like a thick boy. Oh, it was not. It wasn't psychology. It was by Jordan Peterson, and it was just yeah, like yeah, yeah. so hard to read. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is a psychology book. He is a psychologist, and I know that he's a controversial guy. Um, I agree and disagree with everything that he says. Um, and I do have that <laughs> book here, and that thing. I mean, the the vocabulary of it and just the the way yeah. it was written was very like. I mean, I have a high reading level. I would imagine. But that was, I mean, it, it, it read nothing like a 48 laws of power or and, and yeah. Robert Green. It, Robert Green comes to mind first just because his books are so dense and contextual. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, reading that one was just like, ugh. like I would have to do like maybe four or five pages at a time. And <laughs> stop. Because yeah. it's like, ugh, what are you trying to say? Like, yeah. you're so like, you're so smart that you talk really smart, but at the same time, it's like, are, are you like not smart enough where you can then dumb it down for like the yes. stupid people? I say that all the time, bro. <laughs> I say that all the time. I actually interviewed someone today who's a, who was a, a data scientist. Um, and what I liked about her was out of everyone that I interviewed, she was able to take data science is some shit I have no idea about and make me understand it. Like the smartest people yeah. to me are the people that can take a complicated subject and explain it and do a, and tell a story with it and make the common person understand what the hell they're talking about. Not even a common person, but someone who just doesn't know about that subject. Like Bomani Jones is someone who does that. He does that with race very well. He can explain the thoughts of an African-American in this country to a white person to the point where they're like, I get it. Like that makes a ton of sense. Like, and I think, yeah, I love those kind of people. I, Cause those people are better than people who just know a bunch of shit and can regurgitate yeah. information. 
you know, I see, I see you reposting Bomani Jones all the time. And I know back when he was on, cause he was on the Dan Libertard show, right? Yeah. Yeah. He did that yeah. for two years, I think. Yeah. Four years, two years. So I know him from that, but I've never listened to his podcast or anything. You repost him all the time though. So I got to listen to him and check him out. Oh yeah. Listen to his podcast. It's pretty good. Uh, especially the ones he does solo or when he has like a good get, I mean, every guest he brings on, he brings the best out of the guest, but um mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I love his podcast. I love any content from him. He has two podcasts. He has one that's like via ESPN, and then he has another one he does on his own where he just answers questions and kind of just goes off the cuff. And people, it's like a chat room, and he answers questions, whatever. It's called uh, the Evening Jones. But uh, yeah, I, th- I just think he's a great thinker and a good. He has a good mind, and um, by trade, he's actually an economist, but became like a writer and a journalist, and. Um, He's just he's and he he makes it he makes it fun and like and yeah. he brings out topics that and thought and like points of views that you wouldn't have thought of before or maybe you did but you just didn't know if anyone else was like on that same wavelength and you were like okay I'm glad I'm not a moron like I'm glad like someone else <laughs> is seeing what I'm seeing yeah that's I feel like that's where I've been a lot like over the past few months is like just with like absorbing all the stuff that we've been seeing from like the news and then like trying to detach and read or learn something. It's like, am I dumb? Yes. You know? Oh my God. I'm glad. I'm glad I don't feel, I'm not the only one who feels like this because we take in all this information, but it's like, am I retaining any of it? Am I learning from it? What, like, what it, am I, you know what I mean? Well, it's, I mean, it's that and it's, like just the trial and error of things like you, you responded to that story that I posted this morning of that Sudoku puzzle. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I've, I mean, I was doing one right before I hopped on here with you and I've been doing them on my phone and I've been doing them on paper. And cause I read that it was a good brain exercise and I saw that Mensa made a book for it and I was like, oh, fuck it. Might as well give it a shot. And the ones on my phone, I don't know if it's like the display or whatever. I can blow through those, like no problem. But in my book right now, I'm only on the third one. And I was working on the third one right before we got on. And it seemed like I was going right through it. And then I got to a spot and I realized that I had two sevens in the same box. And the way that the Sudoku puzzles work is there's nine, there's 81 cubes. It's a nine by nine. And there's kind of like bold lines that separate nine boxes of nine smaller squares. And each line, you can only have one through nine. You can't have any repeats, same way going across. And then in each segmented box, you can only have one through nine with no repeats. Okay. So I had two boxes that both had, well, I had one box with two sevens in it and then another box with two fours in it. And in my brain, I'm like, how did you not see this? Duh. And so I erased them and tried to like reverse engineer what I had done and where I went and everything. And then I figured out the problem, but then I kept going and I made the same mistake again. And I'm like, did you not learn? Like, where are you at? (laughs) It's like, I'm like, am I dumb? Like I'm reading something and I'm like, I I asked my stuff that once a day, at least. Am I dumb? Like that was dumb. Yeah. Am I dumb? I asked myself. That's why. That's why I love. I love the the statement. And I'm gonna get it tattooed somewhere one day. Nobody knows anything because it's today in today's world. Everyone wants to be an expert 
at everything. And we all have to kind of realize that at the end of the day, nobody really knows anything. We're all just trying to figure this thing out. Some of us may know more than others or whatever, but no one knows everything and nobody really knows much of anything. We're all, it's, you know, I, I ask myself that shit once a day, bro. And I go to bed knowing I'm pretty smart. And I just, I try to keep telling myself that like I'm the shit and I'm smart and I do dumb shit and I make, I, you know, whatever. You just, life is all about learning and you're constantly learning. And yeah. yeah. Well, I know one thing is that I, I don't know anything. Get a tent. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Not bad. I'm, I'm tapping my head. Hey, hey. <laughs> but with, uh, with trying to go back to school and everything, I've just kind of pivoted um, where my reading is at. I mean, I got a stack of stuff down here that I'm, I'm going to be getting rid of just because it's not applicable and half of it's stuff that I've never even read. Um, it, and so I'm, I'm reading different things and I'm looking at different stuff and I'm like, I know this, but why did I not know this? You know? Yeah. You get like an imposter syndrome almost of like, oh, yeah. I, sh- I, I can't do this. Yeah. And then you're like, wait a minute, I can. And then, you know, five days later, you're like, this is way beyond me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like imposter syndrome is, it, is tough to deal with. And I do with it all the time. Is it the yeah. recognition of like, is it recognizing that you're slightly incompetent that allows you to progress with stuff? I I believe that ninety nine percent. I I like I almost one hundred percent believe that it is the if you're a person who constantly is like, I think that's I think that is a part of curiosity. I think that is a part of people who say, oh, I'd love to learn. Like not everyone likes to learn. Some people are pretty cool with where they're at and don't feel like they need to learn anymore. If you're constantly not shitting on yourself, but you know, telling yourself there's always more to learn. I'm, there's no way I'm, you know, I'm not the smartest person in the room while also keeping the confidence that, but I am smart and I can offer something to a conversation, offer something to a project, offer something to a whatever have you. But knowing that, knowing in the back of your head and always keeping it present, not knowing in the back of your head, the back of your head should be the fact that you think you're smart as shit and that you, that, and that you belong in any conversation in any room. That should always be in the back of your head, but at the front of your head should always be present that there's always something to learn from somebody somewhere and to be on the lookout for that, to ask questions yeah. when something piques your curiosity, to dig into it, to, you know, try to retain it. That should always be front of mind. Not that you're a dumbass, but that there's just so much more to learn about everything. Even the things that you think you're an expert in, there's more to learn, you know? Yeah. My, and with, you know, business, I know you could probably speak to that way better than I can, that that's definitely the case. And I mean, with me now, I guess, you know, after a certain point in my education and my career, I would in a way be like a scientist, which is odd for me to even think (laughs) because like, I, I, I don't know. I like if it's, if it's a learning thing, or like if it's a me thing, or if it's just a, if I had a, a dickhead personality, which I would say when I was younger, I definitely <laughs> did. And I was very like, oh, I, I just know everything. And I, I know right and wrong and all that stuff. Hold on a sec. I got to change my headphones. It just, they just died. Oh, uh, speaker. 
Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, cool. My AirPods died. Um, Sweet. What was I saying? Dang. That you don't know oh. it's a you thing. Yeah. Like, w- when we met at NAS, I was trying to do physical therapy, and my brain couldn't cope with certain things. And I don't know... Because some of those things, and like now I'm I'm reading stats, like ahead of my schooling for where I would take statistics because historically I've been incompetent with numbers and analytical quantitative data. Um, and so mm-hmm. I've been looking at more of that stuff now, but now while I'm doing it, I'm like, wait a minute, this stuff actually isn't that difficult. And so then I look back and I'm like, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, I think, uh, as to, am I just like not engaged with what I'm doing? Am I not like drawing the applications to what I want to do? Is it, you know, my, my brother, um, and you know, he can yell at me if he doesn't want me to, if he doesn't like me saying this, but I believe when he was in elementary school, um, and you know, third grade is is easy to us in in theory now but if you're a third grader Mm -hmm. third grade can kind of be hard it's new stuff and um, it's all new stuff i I think that the story goes uh that the teacher had called my parents and uh they thought that he had like some sort of learning disorder because he wasn't like focusing in class and stuff and Mm -hmm. i i believe what happened was my mom had asked him about it and asked him if everything was okay and he was like yeah he was like, it's just too easy. It's boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. And so I'm kids, like, is, kids. Is, is that how I'm receiving all of this? Where it's like, it just bored me. Like my, the way that my brain must be was that I was learning all this stuff. And I was like, you know, I was just kind of hearing like in Charlie Brown, like the adults, whenever they would talk. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah. Just not engaging. Cause some classes I would go to and they would talk about shit that I liked. And I was like, Ooh, I'm here. And it's very yeah. apparent when you look at my transcripts, like where my brain was during certain classes. Oh, same here. Yeah. Same here. I was, <laughs> I was clearly, I was clearly in English history. Uh, I like the business classes too, but English history, uh, writing. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked all that stuff. I liked, you know, I think for me, when I look back on it, it was a really tough time in school just because math was just like, where I'd walk in that class and my brain would just be like, uh, like what? Like, and I look back and like, I remember asking myself, am I ever going to need this? Like most kids do with math and, and stuff like that. And I'm not going to lie to you. I don't really need it. I haven't needed it yet. Um, I think that's a big lie. Uh, <laughs> like you don't, like, I think you need it to a certain extent, but like, you know, people are like, well, you need it to be able to handle your money. We got QuickBooks and like accountants and stuff. Like, exactly, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't, this is really, um, but anyway, yeah, school was a struggle for me too. And, um, but like you said, there was always that click when I walked into history class, you know, which history class for me was always just story time. I, I never saw it as anything <laughs> else to me. Like, yeah. it was just like, and even though we were learning about, you know, uh, reconstruction and the great depression and, you know, our founding fathers being slave owners and, this stuff it just seemed like one big story 
You know, what's you funny know, is that I didn't that learn could... any of the things about the founding fathers being slave owners. <laughs> they were like, yeah, yeah they found the surprising. country. Yeah, not surprising at all. Um, no. well, I mean, not about you, but about the education system. Do you um, think that like when we're older though, like kind of when we, you know, our, our teachers at the time were probably in like their thirties and forties, maybe like some in their fifties, like when we're that age that like everything will just kind of naturally through again, trial and errors, like that's probably the third time we mentioned it this episode, just through trial and error that we'll be able to fix the way that education works. I think there'll be a lot of reform with our generation and the generation behind us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, um, I think that people underestimate the, the weight of and the powers behind the education system. Like the same powers that fuel the prison industrial complex, the, um, the military industrial complex, white supremacy, fascism, those same types of powers and level and weight and authorities also run the educational system. What goes into the curriculum? what's taught, how it's taught, you know, standardized tests were created to just keep people of color from certain universities, certain educational, higher educational institutions. It's all it was. And poor people. Let me just get that right too. Poor people as well. Um, So I think that until that's addressed, until the system is, you know, I don't want to use too strong of a word, but I mean, you know, I think it's necessary dismantled, broken apart, reconstructed um there won't be a change but i think that uh if if, you know if it's addressed i think we would be a better society for it because it's really the foundation of society is how we educate and what we educate people on are we going to give them propaganda and bullshit are we going to give them the real thing because if you look at at least history specifically american history it's taught to us to only show the good things about america what makes america dope which there are really, there's some things that make America dope. But as all you have to do is just show that America hasn't always been dope and show that stuff too. I don't think it's going to make anyone love their country less, but you hiding that stuff and burying it and not allowing it to be taught, that's what makes people hate their country. Mm-hmm. Not, not the faults and the mistakes, because we can all relate to making mistakes throughout our life. And we got to look at our country as a person as well. Our country is a collection of people. So there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be fuck-ups. There's going to be slavery. There's going to be Jim Crow. There's going to be putting Japanese citizens in internment camps. There's going to be wiping out the Native American population. There's going to be all that stuff because there's missteps in life. And that's what it is. But if you ignore it and you bury it and you act like it doesn't exist and you only focus on the good, that's where people become hateful. It's where it happens again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had a, and it was completely almost strange um, because I've had, I've had two teachers, two history teachers in my schooling that would always say, you know, we study history so we don't repeat it. (laughs) Um, One of them was my, God, what was it? I think global history teacher. Um, And we just learned 
about everything like ancient civilizations and stuff. But I remember in college, one of the prereqs I had to take was, I think it was Western oh, civilization. I think I know which professor you're going to talk about. Cause he's amazing. The guy that sounded like Ben Stein. Bueller, yes. Bueller. Oh wait, maybe not him. Nah, that's not the guy I'm talking about. I think we, I remember talking about this, I think with you before we had different professors, but the guy that I had was just like Ben Stein. Uh, like super dry and he would just like stand there and make like dad jokes and just like <laughs> it was a 7 a.m class and i just remember like watching kids like fall asleep and stuff but he would say the same thing and i don't know why he would say it because we learned about like i remember as a class we watched troy and i'm yeah. like okay okay the lesson here and i'm pretty sure he said the lesson for troy was to like not steal someone's woman and he was like, because next thing you know, you're going to war with someone. And we're all like, that's, okay, that's I, in, in theory, I, I understand what you're saying. But he would say, you know, so this is why we don't do this because or this is why we learn about it because we don't want to do it again. And we're all kind of like, okay, uh, I, okay. I get you. I, I think <laughs> from the time, you know, if you stole someone's princess or something that it would uh, make sense to go to war. But now it's just kind of called like a, a scandal. But all right, you yeah. know, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that we're the the first generation to truly uh, express. Tom our- Lapis was the professor. Oh, okay. Good, um, great guy. Go ahead. I, sorry. I, 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 our our generation is really the first one, I think, to truly voice their concern and their displeasure with education. Yeah, I mean, you could go back to the late '60s. That was a wild time as well. Um, a lot of activism against the Vietnam War, um, mm-hmm. white supremacy. You had the Black Panthers. You had um, the Patriot Party. You had, uh, you know, hippies. You know, stuff like that. But yeah, I think I think I mean I think for sure our generation is, if not already overtaken, that mantle and that top spot as like rowdiest and you know socially active generation. I think we've already supplanted that for sure, um, which is a good and a bad thing, I think, because um, I'm all about progress and pushing things forward. Uh, yeah. But I also think that, uh, let me choose my words carefully. Um, I don't want to say that there's a way to go about it because if, if history has shown us anything that, you know, the right way is whatever way works. So um, I think peacefully is always the right way. Um, I'm always anti-war and things like yeah. that. Um, but I think that we're definitely the most, and I think outspoken is hard to say because all of it's done online. Like yeah. people in the sixties had to go out and actually, like if you really wanted to say you were being a part of it, you had to actually go out and protest. There was no posting online. There was no, I stand inside. It was go out and do it. Or it's like, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Um, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's a little different, but imagine, imagine, what it would be like today if hippies had smartphones back then? They would all have flip phones, as they probably do now. <laughs> I mean, just, just think about it. Like, how just, I mean, really, like, hippies were, I, I don't know. I, I would imagine, like, our generation now, a lot of us could back then be considered hippies. Cause we're so like, I don't agree with this. I don't like this. I hate that guy. I can't stand these people. Like, I, you know, I think a lot of our generation, wrong. that's how a lot of hippies I, probably were. Right. 
Yeah, I think a lot of our generation likes to think that they're hippies and claim to be and play that kind of role when they're not actually living that life, you know? Okay. Like, just because you get a nose ring and you wear tie-dye and you smoke weed doesn't really make you a hippie. And, I mean, that, and, and, and but, but it also doesn't make you, a, like, and it also doesn't make you a, a, uh, a revolutionary. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, learning about the Black Panthers, um, doing as much research as I can on them, watching documentaries, um, reading books, reading the Malcolm X documentary, listening to speeches from Fred Hampton, Huey Newton, um, all those guys. You learn what a revolutionary is and you can't fake it. And you couldn't fake it back then, but there's a lot of fakers today. Yeah. A lot of fakers. I'm not claiming to be one. I'm not, I'm not the OG revolutionary up here trying to like tell you, you know, that you're not doing it right. But what I'm saying is either be one or don't be like, or do, do what you can. Don't try to, cause you faking to do more is taking away from what you actually could be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get that. You can't travel to every single protest and be mm-hmm. in every single thing. Everyone gets that. But what you can do is donate bread, work at your local food bank, you know, you know, you could do small, th- everything helps. Everything adds to the, to the, you know, to the, to the progression and to the movement. But there's a lot of fake revolutionaries these days. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the democratic party, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> like people just think being a Democrat makes you a revolutionary. Like it, yeah. it's quite, quite the opposite actually. Well, I, I think that at least this past year, uh, it, I don't know, at least leaning that way. And this is a very broad statement that I'm going to make. So please don't let it ruin your day or anyone that's no, go not, for it. not you, but whoever hears it, I think at You're least some past year, here? Huh? Just kidding. No, I was going <laughs> to say at least in the past year, like <laughs> at least in like the past year, like claiming Democrat or like leaning Democrat was in a sense. And I mean, this is a huge stretch kind of revolutionary. I mean, fuck I mean, where could we be right now if we didn't have new leadership or no, I fully agree leadership? I fully agree that there was no other option but to vote for Joe Biden. Like, like I'm not saying I regret doing that. I'm not saying that people who voted for him are fake. I'm not even calling Democrats in general not revolutionaries, but I'm just saying that there's just a lot of like, if you're not willing to call other people, like Joe Biden promised some student loan relief, student debt relief. Yeah. My balance he, 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 he wafted on that. He wafted on that. Will, will he be able to get that back? I don't know. I don't think so. He promised a $15 minimum wage. He's waffled on that as well yeah. for bipartisanship and shit. Yeah. Re- re- revolutionaries aren't bipartisan. They aren't, let's work down the middle and figure, revolutionaries are all or nothing. That's what I've yeah. learned. Yes, they're about collaboration and finding and finding uh, similarities and places where the struggle uh, is symbiotic, but they're not about giving up any ground either. Yeah. So, would you say that? Would you say that? I know what your answer is going to be to this, or at least I think I do, unless you got a different take on it. Do you think that Stacey Abrams was a revolutionary, in a sense? Yeah. 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 That's what I thought you would say. Yeah, I because. Because the landscape politically in Georgia, you have to understand what that state is. And as someone who lives there and who's from there, turning, giving the power to the black man or woman 
black person X in that state is a game changer politically, politically. It does a lot politically. I'm going to say it again. It does a lot politically. Mm-hmm. Does, a, does, it, does it do a lot on a day-to-day for the minorities in that state or in this country? Uh, we'll see. I'm a, I'm a big we'll see guy. But what I'm not, what I will never be, is continued benefit of the doubt. I'm just like, do it or don't. And I've, said, I've had these conversations with so many people. Joe Biden and the Democratic Party as a whole, and more specifically, has four years to prove that the weight that we put behind them and the vote of confidence we put in for, you know, into them was worth it. Because mm-hmm. if not, where does the black vote go from here? If, if, if the Republican Party went all the way to the other side, white supremacy with Donald Trump, and we ran to the Democratic Party for help, or for assistance, and they don't follow through on anything, where does this go? You know, I don't have the answers to that. I'm just a young black man asking questions. That's all. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Jesus. But Stacey Abrams is, a, is, a, is definitely a revolutionary. Yeah. I know that was, that, was, that, was, that was a lot, but... You asked. This was uh, this was a very dense podcast. There's a lot going on. I didn't. I didn't even think that we were going yeah, to go this long. When did we start? Four o'clock. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, yeah. this is going to take forever to download. <laughs> um, yeah. I I I didn't expect to chat this long and about all these different things, but this was nice. Yeah, it was a good time. We got to converse sure. like this more. Like, like not just like going and like, oh, hey, we're going to do a podcast, but like just yeah, you know, chatting about just ch- shit. Yeah, just talk. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. Me and Ali were actually saying the same thing a couple of days ago. I, he called me and he was like, girl, I haven't talked to you in a while. And I was like, I see you at the gym sometimes. And he was like, yeah, but we haven't talked. And I was just like, yeah, we could do that soon. So we should all do that together. Yeah. I still want to do a... Uh... Like a round table. Because weren't we going to do one oh, quite a while ago? Yeah, we were going to do one a while ago. And then we said we were going to do one um, after we all went to D.C. for the pro- – well, you didn't go. But after everyone – the group went to D.C. for the – we were going to do one. I just – I think it didn't come together. I don't know what happened, but – I thought we were going to do one. I think it would be cool to revisit it, you know, maybe. You know, revisit it. And once – you know, now we've gotten some space – between then and now and um or just in general just do like a, a like a like a bro down yeah as they now, say on now that we won't kill anyone Twitter spaces. no i thought it was exactly be, was it your cousin and your dad oh yeah yeah, yeah. that round table that's yeah. what i'm thinking about just because like i want to hear all these different generations chatting with each other you know yeah i feel like that'd be like very educational i agree we gotta put that together We'll talk. We'll talk off pod about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I almost forgot that we were still recording. <laughs> All right, I will hit it. Um, where can folks find you and whatnot? What are you up to? Uh, find me on Twitter, Pat underscore Hardy sixteen. 
not sure what I'm doing podcast wise, kind of TBD at the moment. I'm working through some concepts. I'm also going to be starting grad school in a few months. So just kind of trying to figure out if I had the time and energy and what not to do it. I'd love doing it. Uh, it maybe just turn into like a once a month thing. So, uh, and it could be coming to YouTube. That's, that's kind of the direction, but Pat Hardy, Pat underscore Hardy on Twitter. Let's talk, let's chat, let's converse. Let's, let's have a Twitter beef. I'm down. Let's have a Twitter beef. Yeah, fuck it. Oh boy. All right. Hey, you you said it. <laughs> I did. All right. Go I'm on, gonna hit it. Peace. Peace.